let's talk about the resonant science number two. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we finished week two for module two, thinking differently for the resonance science foundation course. I hope you're joining and taking the course as well. Um, so this chapter, well, this module basically talks about all the people who have influenced science from the beginning of registered time, <laughs> um, but, but up until now. So all the big, all the big thinkers and, and influencers of science. Uh, and basically Western science too. That was the well, other it was Western science, but I think like the focus was all people who were against their current paradigm and who also had this um, underlying theme of their science where they thought that, it, you know, they, they kind of believed in ether. They believed that we were kind of all one. There was a little bit of like a holographic type notion all the way back to, you know, you know, Plato and beyond or something. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, it was, it was a, you know, it was a good refresher. Yeah. 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 I, it, it wasn't, uh, I don't yeah. know. I wouldn't say that I learned anything new, but at the same time it was good. I mean, maybe I did learn a couple of new things. Like I had no idea. The, the one thing I wanted to focus on with this one was, um, I had no idea that Isaac Newton was into alchemy. And, yeah, uh, that's a big one. And he was, that just came out recently. Yeah, yeah, and he was apparently very into alchemy, and it was the thing he had written about most. But he kind of held, um, he held on to it postmortemly because it was not accepted at the time. It was like a heresy to believe in uh, such things or whatever. But so I have been trying to figure out how to get my hands on that material. It yeah, it's, it sounds like, well, I just did a little bit additional research because there was a one hour uh, history channel uh, background information, yeah. yeah, about that part of Isaac Newton, but then I was like, let me just go see what else there is out there, and it sounds like some of his personal works were, were found and then sold to, um, to individual people that, that, um, that were able to buy it for whatever amount of money. So his writings on the alchemy side is not, not, not all of them are made public because of that. Right. But I'm sure, I mean, that's changed hands even, even like who, who knows how many times now. So, right. uh, yeah, I need to dig a little bit further into that. And then I did actually see, there was, I wrote it down, there was that movie Agora. Did you ever see that movie Agora? It was about, no. uh, it, it had Rachel Weiss in it and it, she played the girl that they talked about in the Roman times. Who would, like die? Who got like had a horrible death and oh yeah, yeah. Her, um, uh, she was like the only woman. Hypatia, Hypatia, or whatever. Oh, Hypatia, maybe Hypatia. Uh, Lady Anne. There was a, Lady Anne Conway. That wasn't her. There was another woman. No, it was like a H H Y P A T A. Um, and she believed that there was one source to everything. So that's kind of interesting. That was one of her right. main philosophies that was taken away. So, yeah, and they were, yeah, that was cool. Wait, sorry, were you going to relate that back to Isaac Newton somehow? No. I was just going to say, this. she was the other one that I kind of took note that I kind of liked, because uh, I've seen like, that movie even before this, and I was like, oh, oh so that I didn't realize she was, okay. yeah, I didn't realize she was a real person, so that was, cool. oh, that was cool. Of course, she was like burned at the stake, you know, I was like, oh, she was a witch, she was a heretic, oh, no. burn her at the stake, she was by a mob. Oh, she was pulled apart, yes, that's right, by a mob, right, a mob of monks, that's correct. 
Yeah. You know, you know, actually, the thing that stuck with me, the mo one of the most, besides Isaac Newton, this alchemy thing, was um, the music theory and how this Pythagorean theorem, you know, I had studied the Pythagorean theorem, theorem right? Everybody learns that in school. But then at some point, I was just like, well, all right, I got through my tests and really I'm not a math person. So that's basically what I used it for. And then, but then there was this music theory. So it said music could be translated and described by mathematics also propounded the theory, the theory of harmony, harmony of spheres in which movement of the stars and planets are mathematical harmonic ratios producing a symphony of mu musical tones. So there were a couple of thinkers like that, 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 that really stood, stood out for me because I had this experience when I was in college and of course I was like, you know, smoking and then whatever, I went to this concert. I went to um, a Rusted Roots concert. I don't know if you know Rusted Roots. I right? do know so Rusted Roots. So I was at this concert and I had, of course, an epiphany. I was like, music is the universal language and mathematics. It was like, boom, revelation, you know? And in that moment, actually, it was funny because that was one of those moments where I was like, I know all the answers to the universe. Yeah, and I was clear. like, but I'll never remember anything. And that's exactly what happened. But I did walk away with that and I didn't realize that there was such a strong, I mean, I knew kind of mathematics and, and music are the universal languages, but not to that degree. So then when I read it again just now, I was like, oh yeah, that's true. That's like in kind of what I felt anyway at that time. But you know what's, the, what's yeah. interesting to me about music is that I, I mean, I've, I've dated musicians, like, you know, I have a lot of musicians in my family. I can, I am very capable of picking up a guitar or a ukulele. And if you, if I look in it, it's like, okay, play GCA and do this. I can strum it. I can, I can play but I can never create on an instrument. You know, I can't, I can't like write my own songs or, um, or even if I like have a melody in my head that I could write, I can't find the chord. I, I can't match the what's in my head with the instrument. Like it just, I don't know, it doesn't work like that for me. But I, what, what does really work better for me is like when, I, when you play those like um, garage band type video games or where there's okay like, like in fact uh, my friend sent me this um other website called pitchy or something and it, or it's it's you sing and it, it gives you a note and then you sing a note and you're trying to match it and it's and it will grade you based on like how accurate you are but it has a visual component so it'd be like do re mi fa so lot and you can you can see the little graph and like you know exactly how long to keep each thing so for me if I, when I have a visual like marker like that, rather than actual notes, like when there's an, a, a, a little line I'm supposed to follow and keep my voice within that, or mm -hmm. I, I could perform way better. So I, I think like having, when it talks about the mathematics of, of music and having like spherical elements to it. And even for me, like being able to visualize what a chord looks like, if it were, if I could actually see the resonance of something versus the, di like the, like if you could see something that's a bad chord or like something that's off, like if I could see what that looks like versus one that sounds like pretty pleasing to the ear, I think, I think that would be more my learning style. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. We're such visual and audio learners nowadays. So it's just, it seems natural for that to be like a helpful learning style for you. Musical intelligence or visual intelligence. Yeah. Yeah, so how that how that works. But I mean, I think with technology, we're probably going to get better and better at having 
it presented in different ways for different people to be able to exactly. understand differently. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, I also find it interesting that every planet has a, a sound. I know. I was just listening to this this podcast the other day, and he was mentioning um, the podcast. He was saying about Saturn and how Saturn has a, a, a universe, like it constantly has a hexagonal storm um, at the bottom of Saturn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, but he said that with they, the hole in the center of that hexagon, which is kind of like the hole in its pole, which is right. It's, exactly. Exactly. There's so much to learn about that, and it's like, why aren't we investigating that more? Anyway, they, but um, but he was he was saying that there's they've recorded the sound of Saturn, and he's like, it's a horrible sound. I'm a, he's well, like, if you don't listen to it, I was like, I know. Oh, no. I, That's weird. For me, I there was a year there where I was going to sleep every night with the sound of Jupiter. I love the sound that Jupiter makes. Like if you just type in Google, not Google, like YouTube and you say, um, yeah, just the sound Jupiter makes or the sound any particular planet makes, it'll, it'll give you, um, sorry, I think my mic's seems to be kind of like cutting in and out. Um, it'll give you the sound that, um, uh, what is it? What is that satellite? not Sputnik or whatever, but oh, the, when that, um, the hot, no, I was saying, not Hubble. No, it's not Hubble. <laughs> the, the one that like the Hubble atmosphere. I don't, that famous satellite that went out of our, out of our, out of our solar system. It, it went around every planet like multiple times and recorded <sighs> what they sounded like and sent the information back. So we know what every single planet sounds like. And you can take, and it has like, some of them are playing a song, basically. It's not just like, it's like, I mean, they all have like a little, you know, range. Um, so it'd be really so interesting, cool. but, and see like what frequencies each of them are resonating. Yeah, definitely. And I would love to know about planet Earth's sound. Well, I guess that's what our Schumann resonance is. Right? Well, that's what I was wondering, right? The Schumann resonance, exactly what I was thinking. Although when you look at the methodology for uh, attaining the Schumann resonance, I thought it would be something like, oh, it's, it's the space station records what it, you know, the ambient noise of the whole planet, like, which would be like how I would think they would do it. Right. But no, it's something about like, it's done in Russia and it's something about, um, uh, they're measuring, like when I looked into this, it was like, they, they have some rods that are in different places around Russia and everything that measure the electrical frequencies that come off of it. So, and then they average that together. So it's more like the sound, they say, they say that it's actually the sound of um, uh, lightning. It's how many lightning strikes are being, uh, have, are, are going on the planet per day. Oh. I don't know, it's really actually not as scientific as I thought it was. Because at first I was like, oh yeah, the Schumann resonant is way up and you know, all those meditative groups are like, oh, and look today, the right. Schumann resonance is this and that. And, Sometimes I feel it too. I'll be like, dude, my ears are ringing or the air feels weird or something's off about the yeah, energy you wonder or everything. Schumann. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I wonder if it's a Schumann. Yeah, well, I mean, it could be the sound the earth is making, but I'm just saying the way in which we currently measure it is not that amazing. But it would be different from than the satellite. So if we had the satellite version, is it the same sound? But, you know, because if those sat the satellite never landed on any of those points, and so she's circling them, so it picked up the salad. So what is what right. is what does Earth sound like compared to that? I'm sure they recorded that too, no? Well, and that's the other thing is that like you would think that um, maybe these planets don't make the same sound all the time. That that could just be the sound that it was making 
wins right. the light went, went by it, which was for a short duration of time. And same thing with yeah. Her. Yeah. So well, um, that's true. Right. There's different seasons and stuff. Who knows? Yeah. We definitely should get, uh, that would be a cool science experiment to just have a satellite that only its entire job is just to record the sound of the planets. Different sounds. Yeah. Over time, maybe we'll get to that. Um, I wanted to go back to what you were saying about like being a visual person and, and, uh, and what that means. And I was thinking of like light, light frequencies and how every sound, really can be translated into a light frequency in some aspect you know in the spectrum so so then I was thinking when you were talking about playing like um, um, guitar hero or whatever and seeing those things I was thinking oh yeah it's like having those little light things that come up you're like ding and you hit the light in between the notes but also being able to hear the sound in, in the light form of it I don't know it just that's, made me think of that's light. interesting because last night I had um, I was talking to my friend about how um, there's like cell polarity, which is like, a, how, like, how does a cell know, um, like, okay, when you start it as an embryo, how does it know to become a leg cell or a foot cell or an mm -hmm. organ cell or whatever the cell does? Like, we're all like one little cell at the beginning and then we become like this human and everything. Like, how does an individual cell when it's dividing, like, how does it know which um, right. assignment to have, right? And there's this thing called cell polarity. But um, there was some scientist that uh, he was telling me about who I need to get the book and I need to find out. I have notes. I take notes now all the time when I talk to people. This was like uh, uh, The Body Electric. It was a book by Becker, some guy named Becker or something. So in the 1980s or 90s. And he basically could get frogs who normally were too old to grow back like legs and limbs or like lizards um, that don't, don't normally grow back particular tells or whatever he could get them to regrow limbs by um basically doing some sort of electromagnetic frequency towards certain things so he would figure out what that was and then he would make them regrow a limb and it was kind of like research because he wanted to help like veterans grow back arms and stuff like that but it never got that wow. far um so, so cool. i really need to look into that book and buy that book would be amazing but so then I, I he was talking about that I was like oh wow so then when I went to sleep last night I had this crazy dream you know me and my crazy dreams and it was uh I had like a little Scotty like Star Trek device which would be like you know oh sir we don't do surgeries are you cutting on that person no and then you know they would just you know like put a little device and you were healed. Um, so what it would, what, what it did in my dream, it was like this magnet that um, spun around and there was different colored lasers that would go through like the, the middle of the magnet. So like the frequency of the mag, it's like the magnetic frequency, uh, the, or the magnetic pool and the laser light would mix and they, both of their energies were used uh, uh, to target an individual cell. But it also could like, Met, this little device would be able to tell like what was not in resonant with its light tissue. So for instance, if there was a cancer cell or some sort of cell that was not like the other ones, it could um, uh, pulsate to it what the frequency that it needed to be to be in harmony with. It. So basically, if anything was out of tune, it could re retune it. It was just a stupid, right. but I mean, stupid. I think. <laughs> Don't call that dream stupid at all. That was great. That's so awesome. But yeah, so it made me kind of think, huh, all right. Well, and of course, you know, I got drawings, so. Oh, you got drawings from the dream. 
Yeah, because like you know, in the dream, yeah. it was it was also showing me that they were like, um, I was so these dreams. It's like it was like um, I was in the research and development phase of it too. So when we were trying to figure out, I don't know who we was, but when we were trying to figure out like what uh, a healthy frequency for any given cell would be within, you know, like to get so like, kind of like a baseline range, because everybody's different. Like, it's just like your voice, everybody's voice is different. Every voice, voice is the same, but yet you can tell if it's a female voice or a male voice, you know, or a deep voice, like there's a range in which you get, oh, you're a soprano, you're a whatever, a baritone. Right. Um, well, so like basically, if you examined a cell in a petri dish, it was already dead. It wasn't connected to the living organism anymore. Yes. It didn't have that the life the force in it. It was like, we're such studying dead science. Like that didn't work. Like we had to get my, my scropacy. We had to get microscopes that like would go in to the body yes. and internally be able to see and use like these lasers and magnets to measure um, what the That's ideal the, like, frequency the was. Missing. Yeah. And so like, that's how we would figure out like what, um, where your baseline was to even be able to figure out what frequency was needed. That makes complete sense. They have, that's already been, as far as I understand, it sounds like the sh strife, I think it's, wait, strife now. The rife, sorry, the rife. It was a rife, the, the magnifying glass. It was this magnifying glass that did exactly that. It, and, it and it studied living cells. It was a crazy microscope. It's about then, Royal Rife or whatever his name. Yes. Oh, I, I, I haven't looked into that, but okay. You, it's exactly what you're talking about because it sells. It, it studies living cells, and then there was this. They, they started studying all these frequencies of being able to like register frequencies of cancer cells or whatever, any kind of cells or any kind of, yeah, any kind of cell. And, and so it all had a frequency. So if you match the frequency, you would blow up the cell. You can blow up a cancer cell like that, right? Like a tumor. If you match its frequency, it's like a glass that's playing a crystal and then it breaks it um, because it hits that frequency. And it's the same exact thing. It's like exactly what you're describing. Yeah, I guess it's kind of, um, and I probably had a bunch of preconceived notions about this too from like, what was that girl's name? Elaine? Uh, Elaine Day music or yeah, she did the mm -hmm. tuning forks the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right from Vermont yeah and then there's that Jerry Tinnick guy who also like they, they were saying there's certain frequencies that each cell like a healthy cell has um right Jerry Tinnick guy actually actually gave it a number where it was like it has to have at least 50 hertz in order to split, but otherwise, if it, otherwise oh. it's not healthy enough to split. So, I mean, there's something to start on. I, I do think, you know, just like Rupert Sheldrake talked about and, um, you know, like a lot of people in this resonance that are, there's something to uh, the energy, <laughs> like energy within, like we're in, we're electric beings, we really are. So there's right. something to this morphic field, the electromorphic field or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, what you were also talking about with your dream a couple of years ago when I had, I found, well, when I was like convinced that I had breast cancer and then I had done some tests and they, they found like markers for it. And yes, that I had fit into those markers, but I didn't get any like additional test work done. I had this other therapy done. But anyway, while I was really doing a lot of meditation on that, um, I was visualizing asking each cell to either like transmute back to a healthy cell so that 
if it was filled with any illness or darkness or whatever, that it should transmute back to the original cell form that's a healthy cell, or that it would just, could, could, if, it, if it served its purpose, that it wouldn't reproduce and that it would just die and then, you know, my body would, would, would flush it out. But, um, but yeah, it made me think of that because it's like you were, t you, those cells were, at, were kind of harmonizing with the other frequency that mm -hmm. it should be. That's what I was trying to get them to do through well, meditation. I mean, in theory, if, uh, if this is a bit of like a hologram or if things are um, programmable, then you should be able, well, like that Wim Hof guy, right? Like he does all these breathing techniques or whatever, but they can give him, he's this, have you looked in the room, Wim Hof? Anyway, like, no. okay, he's this Scandinavian dude who, um, his wife like committed suicide and he was left with a bunch of little kids and he was like super stressed and I think he has like five or six like kids that he had to raise on his own and um he started doing these ice baths and he did like he started doing these crazy exercises where he would hold his breath in order to control his moods and like he he got control over his entire physical body right so now he does like there's a really cool app, like a Wim Hof um, app. And I, I used it this morning for like some breathing techniques. Um, I guess it's supposed to help build your immune system. So he does a lot of the cold, hot therapy, but then he also does a lot of breath work. And what he does is he, he has this like method where they've given him like really deadly injection diseases and he will sit there and he will like breathe and talk to his body and he will dissipate it like like you, they can't get him sick like he hasn't been sick and i don't know when and so he's taken on research been like okay like and I, I actually watched him the other day on i think maybe it was on russell brand or could have been joe like he's always he's on the main guys all the time um and they he was talking about how like yeah i'll take corona i'll show you how you can his entire thing was like i'll i'll take coronavirus and i'll show you how you can use these techniques within your like you decide whether or not you want to be sick your body is a, is a machine that, you know, you can talk to it and you can make your, your, you can, you can build your immunity essentially. I don't know. He, it's, he's, he's kind of looked at as a kind of like a crazy, guru. like a, yeah, but I mean, well, yeah, like a guru too, but he does have, a, um, he has a, a kind of cool little cult following and I mean, I like his app. I'm going to check him out. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Really it's cool. like W I M H O F Wim Hof. So, okay. um, yeah, I'll send you the app when we're done here. Yeah, I, I just I had written, I wrote it down. Yeah, well, that's cool. Lots of good stuff. What what else came out for this uh, this module? Anything else for you? Um, I mean, let's see. Uh, I liked the Leonardo da Vinci and the Flower of Life. I didn't realize that he was big into that. And then, um, yeah, I guess like really. Um, I like that uh, Newton even said that the earth resembles a giant animal or vegetable. So it reminded me again of, you know, our mundane to the magnificent. And then, and then also that was interesting that he said that uh, from all of Newton's calculations that um, uh, like the, the, the end of us would be 2060. Oh, I, I was waiting for that. I was like, like all right, what is he going to do this date? That was the last sentence. Of yeah, and that was the last sentence. End of the day that New, Isaac Newton thinks <laughs> and you all is 1960. Oh, okay, cool. 2060. 2060, yeah. Yeah, so what is that? Like 40 years from now. We got time. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I'll be like yeah. 87. Yeah. Yeah. Iron, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, 
I lived my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who it's a good knows? time for all to go around and see. In my late 80s. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't think he's, he's completely right about that. He was having a hard time finding what he was looking for. He was, he was completely frustrated for not having found the... Um, Turning lead into gold. Turning lead into gold, which is, I think, where everyone gets stuck with, with alchemy. They get, like, frustrated about that. But anyway, yeah, I liked the way his little particles were growing, and he related everything to his natural world. What was the, that, him studying alchemy was when he came up at the same time as what? His, his, what was the big thing that came out? Like, at that time, he was studying well, alchemy, and um, it was the, well, I mean, I guess he like always studied alchemy until his death, but like, I guess um, that's when he did the elliptical uh, structure. Oh, the ellipticals. Of yes. how, of how, how the, the rotation of the planets kind of go around and then gravity. And, and the light. Calculus. And, and light. He had to, he had to right. admit oh, calculus yeah. so that he could figure out the elliptical. Um, and I think it was also the light. No, the oh, light. Oh, yeah. The white. And yeah. the light spectrum. He figured Lights, out the, yeah. the light spectrum and all that, and then that right, white—that right. white was not white. White was the combination of all colors. Yes, yes, that all came out directly from his alchemy. Yeah, which was really cool. Yeah, that, that yeah, there was a lot about him. He, he's definitely interesting. I liked the the See, comparison. The like, like this is a bro, right? He's in his twenties. He's at the, he's he's going through the plague, like Isaac Newton. All these dudes are right, where they're they're just. I mean, they do wear wigs and they talk to each other like, oh, darling, you know. But at the same time, they were allowed to like just tinker with little stuff, like piddly stuff. It's not like they had to go, hey, go to a call center and talk to this person for eight hours for five days a week, you know. Um, like we don't have. A society set up where we we can just tinker. We don't have tinkers. Like I'm a little Tinkerbell. You know, I yeah. I would I totally if I was in the 1800s would be like, darling, may I borrow your Bunsen burner? You know, like that that would have been like like what you, what else you gonna right. do, right? So I I don't know. I feel like we need Tinker Labs or something. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Well, or whatever it is that you like. Like he was drawn to that, you know, yeah, there are other people but, that make great discoveries in other areas that need a tinker lab in something else. But it's like, we don't have, I mean, you right. can't get access to microscopes and telescopes and Bunsen burners and, you know, torches and things that can melt metals and cut power tools and all, without paying yeah. extremely a lot of money. And it, it, there's no centralized place, but it's all, if you want to get into this one little segmented thing, that's great. Put your money where your mouth is and build it in your garage. Other than that, if you're not at a university, then, you know, right. good luck to you. Apprentice. And when you're yeah. at a university, you got four years or you got, I mean, you got this little small time frame, and then that's that. Right. And you got a lot of studies. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's why there are a few Isaac Newtons around, you know, there are people that just are able to do that at that level, but there aren't very many of them. Not everybody could be at that level. doesn't mean that they don't contribute as much, but anyway, yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, he was already tenured or, or whatever. He was already on his, in his, working in Trinity College and already high ranking so he had he probably also just had that he just had those those abilities to have that lab at his house 
Yeah, it's true. I mean, he was still privileged. It wasn't like he was like a common folk guy who got to just right. do whatever. Yeah, he was. Yeah. You're right. He was a professor. And he, was, he had to work his way up there. It wasn't like he was just, oh, I'm just going to be some well, dude off the street. But anyway. He was a genius. You know, there was that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> just a little. Um, yeah, just, just a little. Just a little. You know. Like, you know. I know. Considering the entire foundation of science is based off of his theories after that, like everything after that was pretty much, I mean, everything still is. It's Newtonian science. Um, I did like the end for, the end for me, just the comparisons between differences between modern physics and uh, unified physics, just some of the, the background, just some of the comparisons, which um, modern physics is a flat, there's a flat universe with much dark matter based on 2D math um, of like flat space versus unified physics, which is an inseparable um, quantum interconnectedness of the universe to the fundament is the fundamental reality. So there were just some some differences that I have to read through again in order to really get like oh yeah yeah this is this was um, this is why it's different like what the holographic concept and and then of course Nassim Nassim's um, Harriman's um, contribution of the holofractographic essential, which is the central, the essential um, interrelatedness of the holographic and fractal nature of the cosmos. So I think that that is one of the big biggest differences now between modern science versus unified physics. Mm -hmm. so was there anything else that, with that that, I don't know, that you can add to? Uh, I no, I mean, and I think because that, that's very similar to like the discussion that they had in the first module, you know, too, about like the differences in the two. Um, mm -hmm. I think that this is more just kind of honing in on there's some kind of unified uh, field that we're going to be working with here. So like that's uh, that's yeah. like laying the foundation that this isn't 100% crazy, like everybody's sort of touched on it before, but um, and right. and giving sort of like testament to, you know, Nikola Tesla was another big one that they talked about in there who I love him and I've read a lot of his stuff. And I, but that's the thing is like his stuff isn't even all, um, sometimes I just feel like some of the stuff is like fairy tales. Cause you don't, we don't even have access to half of Nikola Tesla's yeah, to writing. Read the real stuff, like the, the actual writing. Science yeah. of it, yeah. Um, there's a little bit, but a lot of it's not been declassified. So right. Well, it's other people have patented it. In addition to, I mean, that those were his inventions and stuff. But still, a lot of those writings are yeah. You're right. Classified. You know, these Nikola Tesla uh, coils and stuff are apparently you know like were like wireless energy that could turn on a light bulb from across the room. Uh, yeah. So they're sending electricity wirelessly which isn't just waves like uh radio waves or what do you call internet waves what are internet waves what is wi-fi um i don't know that's a good question i don't even know but whatever that is so who knows if that's what it was free like if that's what it was connecting i don't know i really don't know how our universe works even now <laughs> well i don't think many people do even even really the top physicists don't, you know, like even people that study this all day long and that's their heart and love. Do they yeah. really know how it works? Only to a certain degree. Not and much more than we know in the big spec of things. <laughs> True. But I guess that is like, um, that is why 
I mean, the internet is a beautiful, wonderful place because you can get a little overview, you know, the school, the University of YouTube or the University of, you know, Google, or basically you can get a pretty good understanding of the basic stuff True. if you yeah. want to on your own account. It's just, it gets like daunting and you're like, oh, and then I have to learn about what thermodynamics and what this, okay. Right. Well, it's a career, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not just, yeah. It's like, yeah, take it to the next level. It's pretty good. I, I forgot about that. Um, wait, what were, you, what were you saying about the, the differences? Oh, well, I, I guess like in a way, I guess the point that I didn't loop around back in my thought process was that uh, it's like a little fairy tale and that we just hear these little baseline stories of these scientists like, this guy was a genius. He invented the stuff that we don't have now because <laughs> we took it away from him. But believe me, he was a genius. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, we're sorry we killed this person, but that person was a genius too. <laughs> we're sorry we tortured we were, and killed some people. We were really <laughs> assholes back then. <laughs> yeah. But we still and are. It sucks because if we weren't. If we weren't like that, then we would have much better technology today. <laughs> We'd be so much far along like, and further along. Thank you. Well, because it's just like a battle of the egos, you know, or the fear from the church saying that they, they, they would lose. That's where it all went back to. It was the church losing power because then, God forbid, somebody else, they were, they, they, they said that consciousness, right? Oh, that was the, uh, another big difference, that, that unified science had consciousness as the beginning of everything or as part of it. It wasn't ever out of the equation it's always part of the equation where modern physics was always trying to show it that it wasn't part of the equation or that it came after somehow it's funny too because um like when i say consciousness i'm like what is the intelligence that animates my body like that animates my thought process that animates my be anything being alive that's what i'm talking about consciousness but when i talk to some of my more analytical like scientific friends they're like let's just talk about consciousness in terms of something that's awake, that's conscious versus something that's not, that's like dead or asleep. I'm like, that's not the kind of conscious, like there's, there's more than one kind of consciousness that people even want to talk about. So even within mainstream thinking, it's like, well, no, we're just going to talk about like, in terms of, if we're going to like try building artificial intelligence or something, we'll talk about consciousness in terms of something that is aware at this moment of itself, that it is, you know, uh, in the awake process, it is conscious versus, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that there, there is a distinction there. Yeah. Well, right. Because a person is sleeping, that doesn't, they're just, doesn't mean that they're not conscious when they're awake, but they're not, they're sleeping in that moment. So therefore maybe they're not conscious of what's happening or aware of themselves in that moment. I don't know. Mm. It is a good question. But anyway, I'm with you on the distinction of consciousness is just in every, like, is everything. It's that created the spirit. And what, uh, like, is that really separate from me and the dog? Is a dog aware of itself or is a plant aware of itself? So you're saying that it's not conscious and maybe it has a different awareness. We can't really analyze what they think. Right. Yeah, no, it, it's true. And like, that's why I always think the hierarchy of, of, of thinking your consciousness is better than or somehow superior to another animal or another another group of organized mm -hmm. matter cells or or atoms put together is is uh it's a lot that's a lot of presumption exactly right because we're only going by what our own intelligence is like so subjective to the way we're the criteria that we're putting on these other 
consciousnesses. Well, we don't know. Yeah, I think that's what we'll get into more of, hopefully in this course. Yeah, I'm, excited. So. I'm excited cool. about it. But yeah, anyway, this is all great food for thought and good stuff to like keep us, to, you know, thinking about anything besides, you know, just whatever people think about these days. <laughs> yeah. Quarantining or something, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, check out the, what is it called? The Resonance? The Resonance Science Foundation, but the course itself, I don't remember the name of it. I don't, yeah, that's what I was trying to think. I, I just know this is the, it's Let the free course that they're offering, and this is the second part uh, module that we looked at today, which was just like sort of like the history of oh. physics and science. It's called the Universal, sorry, it's the Unified Science Course Virtual Series. They changed the name of it, actually, but that's what it, that's what it says right now, Unified Science Course Virtual Series. Okay, cool. Well, this was part two. And part join two. us for uh, more of the, and, oh, and discuss stuff with us. If you want to be like, what, or like, which one was your favorite person that you wanted, I mean, you know, whatever. Like, if you want to yeah. take it with us, this is cool. Let's do it. Right. Or if you have other insights. Definitely. Yeah. We'll see you for module three. Bye. Bye.